Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us for our weekly picks episode. Uh, of course, Daniel Alexander, Grinders with Blinders, and the LGG OG himself, Chris Ross, joining us. But as we only have two picks to make uh, today on account of Baylor, uh, before we get to our picks, we're going to talk a little Big 12 hoops in the state of Texas. Shayon J. Raja, Dave Campbell's Texas football normally, but today Shayon is joining us to talk a little basketball. The Dave Candles basketball preview is uh, the covers being revealed today. We won't tell you what that is. You're going to have to follow to find out. Uh, but the, the magazine is coming out quickly, so we wanted to bring Shayhan on. Obviously, it's a it's a light week football wise, so it's a perfect opportunity with just six weeks to go to start talking a little Big Twelve hoops. Shayhan, welcome back to the Ten Twelve, man. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, we'll we'll get to the teams. It's very exciting. Um, I, I, obviously, you can't reveal quite yet. Uh, it's embargoed until one o'clock Thursday. We're recording this Wednesday night. This will be up Thursday morning. So if you listen to it before one o'clock, that's why we can't. Uh, but you had the opportunity to write the cover story uh, for for the magazine this this fall. Uh, I, I I am allowed to say it is a Big Twelve team. That's it. Uh, but just what was it like getting to to write that cover story, man? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, this is my fourth cover story for Dave Campbell's, two for football, two for basketball, and every single one special, right? I mean, as a journalist growing up, you always think of the stuff that you see in print. Like, it's really cool to, to have all this stuff printed on the internet, but when you get a magazine that has your name printed in it and it has your hard work printed in it, and even just from a, from a design perspective, getting five pages in a magazine, I mean, it's just different, right? And so, you know, for us, uh, again, it is a Big 12 team, right, from the state of Texas. Uh, we will, I will at least acknowledge that, I, I, which I think is kind of a little bit of a no-brainer based on the, the quality of some of the teams in the state of Texas, of course. Um, but, you know, for me, it was really cool. You know, we, the, the story that I wrote revolves a, a lot around sort of the difficulties that this season has, you know, caused, that last season caused, that everything kind of going on caused. Um, you know, so it was really great to kind of go back and revisit some stuff, some stuff that's old and get to learn some new things as well. Um, and, and obviously sort of look forward to, you know, because there hasn't been a whole lot of of access, obviously, at this point in college basketball to this point. A lot of teams are just starting practices and all that. So it was great to get a chance to to kind of get into the mind of some of the players, get into a, the mind of some of the coaches. And um, and again, I, I'm excited to reveal the cover. I'm excited, uh, you know, we're hoping that that we'll put up the cover story uh, probably next week on TexasBasketball.com. So that'll be coming out soon. But really, the best way is obviously to get the magazine. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm looking excited to get it. Or I'm looking forward to getting a copy of that. All right, so obviously we have you here. We're going to focus on the four teams in the state of Texas from the Big 12. And, and for good reason. I mean, 
I, most predictions, most preseason expectations uh, for the Big 12 have three of those in, in the top half of the league. Obviously, a lot of people with Baylor, not just as, as number one in the Big 12 as a preseason, but in the top three nationally, along with Gonzaga and I believe Illinois, Iowa, a couple of those teams. Villanova has been one Villanova that's been up there. up there as well. Yeah. I mean, let's just start with, let's start with the Bears. I think you can't, I don't think you can argue against the t- expectations for the team with what they were last year, they basically bring everybody but one one player back. But but really, why why should we buy into the idea that this Baylor team is not just good and not just good enough to win the Big Twelve, but but a a team that we should just all mark down as a Final Four contender if healthy come March? Well, look, I, I think that the biggest reason is that you take a team that last year was already that right was already. Every- that that you just said they were a final four contender they were set to be a one seed for the first time in program history and then everything comes crashing down obviously and the only reason that they didn't win the big 12 last year is because of course they run into a very very special Kansas team right like almost every other year in big 12 play they probably win the league but Kansas was you know potentially the number one seed overall heading into the tournament so coming back this year I mean Baylor has basically everybody back like you said Freddie Gillespie is the one guy uh, who was like a real big contributor for them, who's going to be gone. But they expect Tristan Clark to be healthier to kind of step into some of that role at big man. Um, and, and the biggest thing that happened over the offseason is they obviously get Jared Butler back, who's, I mean, I, I don't even think it's a question. It's going to be the Big 12 preseason player of the year, a preseason All-American, uh, you know, first team All-American, national player of the year contender. So, I mean, I, I think that you just look at this team and they lose one contributor. And the other thing that you have to say too is that last year, was always going to be a good year, right? Like it was always going to be a year where a bunch of guys are eligible and things start to come together. But like for people who are kind of around the program, the thought process was last year was going to be a little bit of a transition year. And this year was going to potentially be even better. And the reason for that is the team's obviously older. They bring back everybody uh, except for Freddie Gillespie. They have Mark Vital. And then on top of that, they two more transfers as well uh, on the wings. And so you just have all of these guards, like an insane amount of guards. One of the best guard rotations I think that you've seen in a while in Big 12 play. You have that front court threat in Tristan Clark, who's now fully healthy after kind of a year getting his feet underneath him. Like, again, everything that they had last year is basically back, and they could be even better with even more depth. It's hard not to look at this team and go, this team's going to win the Big 12. Obviously, you know, Kansas, they're going to be Kansas. They're not going to be themselves and they're they've got a lot of things to figure out i think that's the other thing for baylor is there's a lot fewer questions about baylor heading into the season than there are any other teams in the big 12 including kansas which is why i get death taxes and kansas wins the big 12 but since we've already seen other teams win it in these past couple of seasons and the way this season is going and especially including with the fbi stuff surrounding kansas which they can say isn't an impact but you know we'll see it's really hard not to just put Baylor at number one and feel comfortable with that. Even if they don't, like it, you would be, if you're not picking Baylor number one, it's because you've just decided you don't want to, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does seem like a little bit of, of contrarian. And don't get me wrong. I mean, you can't assume anything. First of all, in college basketball, uh, like you just can't. And the second thing is obviously like, we don't know how COVID's going to impact this. We don't know if guys are going to miss games. We don't know. Uh, you know, if guys are going to decide at the last minute to opt out, that's going to potentially be a big part of this season. But um, but look, if everything goes true to form, 
I mean, I think that Baylor's not only the favorite, but I think that they're going to be pretty overwhelmingly favorites. Now, in the Big 12, like you can't, it's it's all their branding and all that, but you really can't take a week off in the Big 12, right? Because you're going to have, obviously, potentially Kansas as another top 10-ish team. You're going to have Texas Tech as another top 10-ish team. I, I think that a lot of people are very high on Texas uh, being a team that jumps up. West Virginia is obviously bringing almost everybody back. Like every single week, you're still going to be going against top 25 teams. So even if you are a really good team, there's no guarantee if you can't win those games. But uh, heading into the year, I think this is definitely Baylor's conference. Yeah, look, I I don't, I don't, think Kansas State's going to be bad. But I know Iowa State's not going to be great. But you still have to go to Hilton. And it's still a tough place to play. You know, you're still going to have a TCU team that consistently year in, year out, pulls off an upset at home, it seems like, every year. Like, it, other teams may have a more depth at the top but no one from top to bottom has what the big 12 has just period i mean because again kyle state kansas state may not be very good but they're going to get some teams and they may not pull off a baylor or kansas upset but they're going to get some people because that's just how the big 12 is especially with a full round robin schedule like the big 12 plays so i know we have texas tech to talk about but let's let's talk texas let's jump down to the longhorns yeah um i i, I talked with my good friend brian ralph of heat check and, and i follow Norlander and I listen to Rothstein and, and and Goodman and everyone's preseason stuff, all the picks and predictions and everyone's got Texas in their top five. And, and I, and I get it from the roster standpoint. It is a very talented roster, obviously adding Greg Brown. I mean, but Texas is Texas and Texas thus far under Shaka smart has had like a lottery pick every year. They're always a talented roster and they always disappoint. So I understand the talent of the roster. But I mean, this is a great thing to compare with Texas and football. I We think they're going to be good because of all the talent, but then they never quite seem to be able to actually make it happen. Now, I understand this is picking them fifth over an Oklahoma team that's got a lot of questions or an Oklahoma State team that's very young. And fifth isn't saying that they're going to win the Big 12 or even challenge for it, but it still seems like there's a lot of decently high expectations for a Texas team that, despite talent every year, has yet to actually deliver on that. Is there a reason to think this year is is different, or are we just keep hoping that at some point the talent's going to win out? Well, here's the thing that I'll say, right? Uh, I think when you look at Texas, you know, I was talking a little bit with Baylor of having returning production. Well, Texas has just as much returning production. Like they have elite levels of returning production. And the other thing that I'll say too is you look at some of Shaka Smart's best teams at, at VCU. The thing that they all had in common was that they were very guard heavy, right? They, they ran through the guards. And actually that's one thing I think that's, that's been kind of funny about watching his Texas teams is that, yeah, he's gotten all these lottery picks. He's gotten all these really good players, but like, none of them have been guards, right? None of them have been sort of good guards or even perimeter players. And it's almost been like you have to find a way to use, uh, you know, Mo Bamba, right? You have to find a way to use uh, Jared Allen, right? Like you have to just find a way to use these guys because they're so talented and they'll come here. But like, I don't really feel like that's how they want to build a team. And the thing that you say about Greg Brown is that Greg Brown is obviously that kind of talent, but he plays more of a face-up game right? Like he plays more of an attacking game. He's able to handle the ball. He's more versatile than some of those other guys. And those other two guys, I mean, have obviously, you know, one, uh, Bamba was a number six pick and Jared Allen's been a fantastic NBA player, right? So, I mean, it's not like they weren't talented, but I look at this team and they bring back their top three scorers who are all guards, right? And, and really they 
bring back basically every contributor. And you look at last year's team, the, the thing that they couldn't do well is that they uh, didn't have a whole lot up front, right? Like we saw a little bit from Jericho Sims uh, throughout the season, but it, he wasn't a consistent force for them. And all of a sudden now you have Sims back, you have all those guards back. And I, I'm trying to remember, um, I'm trying to pull up the, the standings from last year because they weren't out of it. Like I know that it's easy to, to kind of say like, you know, they were, they obviously weren't as good as they should have been, but like, you know, this was a two team race and then everybody else was kind of just behind. Right. And so they were kind of middle of the pack. Yeah. They finished nine and nine. They were tied for third place. Right. And the difference with all those other teams, I mean, Texas Tech is maybe one that, that also does and, and West Virginia too, but like a lot of those teams bring their production back, right. Texas was 500. It's easy to kind of feel like last year was a failure and a disaster, but that's just kind of because of the expectations we had for them. So I think that you, add Greg Brown to the mix, you bring back everybody. And look, I'm not saying that I think that they're going to be able to be a top end team, but I think that this has the potential to certainly be one of Shaka Smart's best teams. Yeah, returning Coleman, Jones, Ramey, all three guards who were their leading scorers last year. And and Andrew Jones, another year healthier after everything he's gone through, you would think he would take another step forward. And I like Courtney Ramey. I, I Again, I, I think he's another guy who should take a step forward. In, in theory, top to bottom, Across everything, this actually should be Shaka Smart's most talented and experienced team. Like he's had good teams, and as you've mentioned, they've had these these studs that were big men, and I don't, I don't know that, that necessarily has fit his his style, and that's been part of the problem. So maybe he actually has a team this year that will play the way that Shaka Smart likes to play, as opposed to him having to adjust to to the roster he has, which I think has been part of the problem for Shaka. I'm, I don't dis, I don't think Shaka Smart is a bad coach. I think he's just been a bad fit at Texas. And this does also feel like a make or break year for him. I know they owe him a lot of money if they try and let him go. And I understand with the coronavirus and everything else that people are hurting that this Maybe is. Maybe having to pay a football buyout. <laughs> yeah. This is not the year to want to, to. I mean, if you have to pick one or the other, you would, you, you know, it's going to be a whole lot easier to let the basketball coach go as a sacrificial lamb than trying to buy out the, the football coach. That said, it does feel like everything might finally be setting up for a year where there's a lot of pressure on him to win. And with this roster, maybe he actually can not just finish in the top half, but finally prove everybody wrong. And, and that talent's going to win out. Yeah. And the thing that I say too, is, and I mean, Baylor's the team that's head and shoulders above everybody else. And after that, I mean, Kansas is going to obviously be Kansas. They're going to be good. They're going to be competitive. They're going to find a way to finish top two in the conference, but this isn't a dominant Kansas team, right? Like this is a team that's going to finish more like 10, not more like two. And, you know, so then, then you start talking about the, the West Virginias, the Texas Techs, the Texases, and all, you know, that, I, to me, that's kind of a tier right there, right, is sort of Texas Tech, West Virginia, Texas, that, that could be sort of a middle tier. We'll, we'll see whether Texas can, can do their part, right, because they have to actually go out and do it. It's easy to say that they have the guards, and this team looks more like a shock, a smart team, and Greg Brown's going to and, and it, it does, you know, Sometimes you say these things and it doesn't work. It's easy to, to draw teams up on paper. But uh, but really, from every indicator that we've gotten, this should be potentially a breakout year for Texas, which is something I feel like I, I say all the time with football. So, you know, right. it's, 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 it's like everything else. Like, at some point, this is going to happen. Like, it, it, it has to at some point. It just doesn't make any sense <laughs> that it, it hasn't yet. We'll certainly have to – we're going to see. Like, I, I'm, I'm interested in it. It'll be, it'll be something. Um, okay. We're going to talk Texas Tech. I kind of want to save them for a minute. Uh, let's talk TCU. Is there any reason at all 
Now, Jamie Dixon, this is going to be what, year three or four for him, I, I forget. Point is, that sounds right. The point is, he's been there for long enough now, and I understand that uh, the TCU's never been a, a basketball power. But it, it, every year we keep thinking, since he got there, at some point they're going to break through. At some point it's going to happen. And no, this will be year five. Because he got there, he got there. Twenty sixteen, seventeen was his first season. So this is season five. Huh. Yeah, he's made the NCAA tournament once. Um, they've been NIT champs. They've been into the NIT semifinals. They've won. I mean, last year really was the the worst year they've had record wise. Now, granted, they lost and they they lost a lot. Yes, their record gets built up on really really weak non conference schedules, which is why a lot of times, even though they have a nice twenty win season, they don't get invited to the NCAA tournament because they have no non conference strength of schedule to hang their hat on. But that was his deal at Pittsburgh for a long time too. Getting out of the out of off topic here a little bit. Is there any reason to think that this might finally be that year for TCU? Or is this just kind of their ceiling of being a good team that beats top teams and pulls off upsets and gets to an NCAA champion or NCAA tournament every once in a while, but they're just going to finish roughly in the, the fifth to seventh range every year in the Big 12? So I do want to say a couple of things to sort of lead this off, right? The first thing that you say is that Obviously, we do have to contextualize what TCU looked like when he got there, right? Like, TCU was Bad. year in, year out, the worst team in the conference, Bad. right? They were, they were the Kansas of basketball. Um, and they've done a great job building up their facilities. I think Jamie Dixon's done a really good job there. Um, you know, bordered on great at times. Um, but, but the thing, right, this was true last year. Last year, they just lost almost everybody, right? They lost almost all of their key production. Really, the only guy that they brought back was Desmond Bain, who was fantastic and uh, you know, I've been hearing from people could be a first-round NBA draft pick, actually. Uh, like, people are that high on him because of his shooting. And so I, I think that you look at TCU last year, and last year was a huge transitional year for them. They had a lot of freshmen on the roster. I mean, I, I remember writing that preview last year, and, man, there were just a whole bunch of people that I'd never heard of in my life, right? They had, like, two transfers who they were kind of high on, but, like, that was kind of it, right? I, I mean, especially in the front court, it was kind of like, it's going to be Kevin Samuel and someone else, like, I guess, right? And Samuel played pretty well for them. But this is still a really young team. And, you know, with Desmond Bangon, he was the guy who really kind of kept things going. And, and Samuel played well again. RJ Nemhard pl- played pretty well. Um, they're going to, you know, they're going to try to get more from some of those young guys. But I think last year they had five freshmen come in and, you know, have to play major roles immediately because of, now, just a not very good roster overall. And I think that this upcoming season, there's going to be some progress, but it's going to look a lot like that. You know, they don't have some of these instant impact guys who they're adding on who are going to potentially, you know, immediately be contributors. They don't have a guy who's going to be able to step up and be Desmond Bain. And the one thing that you say is that this isn't going to be the best year of the Big 12. Like, it's going to be really tough at the top, but it's not going to be, you know, a a total game-changing year necessarily in the Big 12. But I I don't know. It's just hard for me to see the path to TCU becoming a legit team that's contending right now. Now, and I want to be clear, at the same time, I'm certainly not saying that I think that their ceiling, you know, with Jamie Dixon is as, you know, a 5-7 to team. I think that they can break through, but it is going to be a little more kind of like they're they're middle of the pack and have maybe a year 
a bunch of seniors because I, I think that it's just, you know, the, the Big 12 is so talented to be able to compete year in and year out. It's really hard. And um, and I think that even just uh, just being competitive every couple of years, I think, is about where they should be. Is that okay for TCU? Like, I, I don't I don't know enough about the TCU. Like, I, when I talk TCU, I talk, we talk football or I talk baseball a lot. Um, and I don't, I don't know that I talk a lot of TCU basketball because it just hasn't been – a team outside of just talking about Desmond Bain that uh, deserved, demanded a lot of the talk and a fan base that seemed all that like, yeah, basketball. Is it a, are, are they, especially after all the, I mean, just years of bad, bad teams they had, is this enough for them? Are they happy with this? Does, or is, or is, is you starting to see expectations build based off of, look, Jamie Dixon's been there. For, uh, we're going to year five. He's 84 and 57. And the first three seasons, they had at least 20 wins in the first three years. Last year, as you said, young teams still were in tied for seventh. With like, like everyone was either tied for third or tied for seventh in the Big 12 last year, I swear. Um, like, it, is this a thing where people are okay with this? This is this is fine. I don't mean that bad. Like, I think we yeah. oversell over. I think sometimes. I mean, like, let's, let's put it like this. Yeah. Right? I, I think that being a Kansas State fan is one of the happiest things you can be in football, right? Because. You don't have to come in thinking that you're going to win the conference. And, you know, every so often they, they're pulling upsets. Obviously, this year they're top of the conference. Like, sometimes it's okay to, to not have winning the conference expectations, yep. right? Yep. And so, so the thing I'll say about TCU basketball is, you know, especially at the beginning of the Jamie Dixon tenure, just being competitive was enough, right? Like, being a fun team to watch, being competitive, defending at a high level, scoring at a high level, that was enough, Right. And so I think now for TCU fans, they're at a place where they don't they don't expect to come in and win the conference or anything like that, right? Like that's nobody's expectation. But the one thing that I think that they do want, I, I think they want to just be competitive for the tournament. If you miss it, you know that's okay. But um, but you know I think that I think that if you said you get one tournament appearance in five years with Jamie Dixon, like you'd feel okay about that. But I think that you'd want a couple more than that. You don't have to make it every year. Like that's just. I don't think where TCU is right now, but I do think that especially after seeing what they did early, I, I do think it's been a little disappointing to see sort of a quick drop off to where all of a sudden TCU is back in the cellar. So I would say that if, if TCU going into March looks like they could be a tournament team, I think fans are going to be pretty happy with that. And, and look, if you get to the point where you're making the tournament consistently and you expect more, that's great too. All right. So let's talk a little Texas tech, Chris Beard, <laughs> like, Wow, I it's like I don't like I I don't I is there anything bad to say about him? Like honestly, at this point, like the guy is ridiculous. He is nothing but a winner, and what he's done at Texas Tech as quickly as he has has been amazing. I know they had a little bit of, of a drop off last year. That's you know I think that's a, a fair. I think you can't expect national runner up every year at Texas Tech, at least not in a program like this, that's going to take time to build. Duke took time to build into Duke, you know, North Carolina has been that way forever, but at one point it took time. I'm not saying Texas Tech can't become one of those, like it, it can just, it's just going to take time to get to that point. But man, I mean, is there any reason, uh, let me ask it this way. At this point, you know, Texas Tech fans look at it and say, they should be considered a preseason number one because of what they've done thus far. You know, in year two, he tied for second. In, in year three, they tied for first or one, however you want to look at it. Last year, a little bit of a dip. You know, one of the like 18 teams tied for third. I joked. Um, but this year for Texas Tech, like what are, 
realistic and fair expectations. We know how good Baylor is. We know Kansas. I know that Texas Tech's kind of in that block with West Virginia and, and maybe with Texas, but what are realistic expectations for Texas Tech? Or is it hard to give expectations for a team that has seemed to kind of set them so high and yet still seemingly exceeded them every year? So here's one thing that's tough about Texas Tech, right, is that Chris Beard, I, I mean, again, no, nobody would, you know, is ever going to doubt him. And it is kind of interesting that they've built up so much credibility immediately. And I think that's a credit to Beard, obviously, but it is tough, right? Like we expect so many things of these teams because we see Kansas do it, right? We think that because Kansas did this thing, and that means that Texas Tech's going to do it. And the funny thing about last year, right, is, is like they bring in all these grad transfers and sort of, uh, you know, top end guys, two years ago and they, and they find a way to make it to the final four and to the national title. Right. Like that's, that's what they did. And I think that last year was a good reminder, that that's really hard. Mm -hmm. And that what Chris Beard did that year is pretty incredible. And, and a, a huge credit to obviously uh, the guys that they had Tariq Owens and uh, what's the guard's name of, of already uh, Matt Moon, right? Like mm -hmm. that's a huge credit to those guys that they were able to integrate. so quickly. And, and it usually just doesn't work that way. Right. No, it doesn't. So, right. And so, this year is going to be interesting because uh, we don't, I don't think we know at this point whether Mac McClung is going to be eligible yet. Right. Like, I don't think that that's been decided at this point. Um, I mean, if everyone has basically been given eligible at some point, you kind of figure he will. Cause it, what's the, right. uh, what's the joke that Rostin keeps using on Twitter that the NCAA is handing out uh, 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 waiver approvals, like seedless watermelon on the 4th of July, I believe is the, uh, the phrase oh, he's man. been going with. He's he's a uh, he's he's his own guy, man. He's his own guy. But you know, the thing that you say with this team is that a lot of the best players from last year are gone, right? Like mm -hmm. David Reddy's gone, Jamias Ramsey's gone. Um, and you know, so you're kind of starting over again. And that's that's one of the things that I think, you know, we've even seen with some of the the established powers in college basketball that one of the things that's been killer for them and one of the reasons that you know, Duke won their title in 15 and kind of hasn't been back since then. And uh, Kentucky hasn't been to a Final Four in a whole while. Like, the reason that we say that is because they have so much turnover, right? And the turnover at Texas Tech is different than, obviously, you know, the, the guys who expect to leave where you know you're recruiting a whole class every single year. Uh, but it is hard. I, I mean, it is a hard thing to do. And, you know, I, let's let's assume that McClung is eligible. Let's assume that Jamarius Burton is eligible. Um, you know, they, they bring in what they bring in five new freshmen and three transfers, right? Mm -hmm. Eight new players. That's a whole lot. Um, and I do think that it is fair to say that we have reached a point where we expect that when Chris Beard puts a team together, he's going to find a way to get them on the same page. Um, and, and I, you know, thankfully they're going to get some level of non-conference play. Thankfully they're going to get some level of practice. Um, but man, it, I think that, you know, you, you take this Texas tech team, the re, you know, you, you look at them as being sort of a number three, number four, number five team, right? And that's quite a compliment for Chris Beard. I don't like putting that on him. I don't like putting the, that kind of expectations on a roster that's going to have eight new players. Um, and, and I think that they're going to be really good, right? Like the one thing that you do say about Chris Beard is they are not going to fall to seventh, ninth, tenth, right? At any point, no matter how many guys turn over and all that sort of stuff. But I'd probably lean... Again, I, like I was saying before, you know, West Virginia, Texas, and Texas Tech to me is kind of a tier, sort of that, that tier two. And I mean, we'll see whether Kansas kind of matches up to Baylor in tier one, but I think that's clearly the tier one in this conference, right? 
is Baylor and Kansas. Tier two is is sort of that middle tier teams, and then tier three, we'll see what happens, you know. But um, but I do think that they're going to be in that tier two. But it, it's a lot for me right now to put a lot of expectations on a team that's going to you know rely on a bunch of guys who haven't scored a bucket for Texas Tech to to go out and win. Yeah, I feel like that West Virginia Texas Texas Tech grouping is a is a group of there's reasons to have really high expectations for them. There's also enough questions for us to 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 say to 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 believe that they might not be able to reach them. Is that is that a fair description of that tier 2 group? Yeah, for sure. And and the thing that you say about it too, right, is like all three of them kind of have different deals going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Cuz Texas Tech, you're like program-wise and coaching-wise and and talent-wise of course. You know that things could go right. Uh, with Texas, you're like, everybody's back, and you had a five-star kid who everybody is pretty sure is a sure thing, right? And, and you do have a good coach. It obviously hasn't worked there so far. I um, mean, at West Virginia, you got the combination of returning talent, maybe not as much top-end talent out of, outside of Oscar Shibaway, um, but, you know, you have that returning talent, and you have Bob Huggins, right, who's obviously one of the greatest coaches of all time. So you kind of have each team having their own strengths and weaknesses. Um, but But, yeah, I mean – I think that any one of those teams could jump up and compete for the Big 12 or win the Big 12. I mean, I, I don't think anything's off the table this year, but but Texas Tech to me is very firmly in that group of a lot of things need to go right, and, and I don't know exactly what I'm going to see. Yeah. All right, look, it's the the rule that we have for basketball has to carry over, or the football has to carry over to basketball. It's 2020. It's coronavirus year. Weird stuff's going to happen. Just be ready for it um, because we just we just don't know. We don't know. There's, there's anyone who says they know is full of it. They're lying. We just don't know this year. It's going to be a weird year. I, I mean, and I will say, if you do actually know it, please tell us. <laughs> if you know it, why haven't you warned us about everything that's already gone on and prepared us for it? Uh, it's been months. My God. <laughs> it, it, anytime would be great now. Anytime now. Okay. Anytime. Uh, Shehan, as always, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. Great talking to you. Great talking to some hoops, man. Usually we get you on for football all the time. It's nice to know I I get football and basketball, man. You are, you are so multi-talented. It's not even fair. I just, yeah. uh, very excited for the big reveal of the cover and, and get the opportunity to read the cover story that'll come out again today. For those who want to who want to see the cover, find out who it is, which Big Twelve team is on the, on there, uh, and can uh, and get that cover story and get the magazine. Where can they do so, man? Yeah, go for us at dct basketball it's one i have to keep i have to keep my head on straight with that because we're at dctf for football at dct basketball for for basketball so you can follow us there on twitter also go to texasbasketball.com we're dropping it at 1 p.m tomorrow so it'll be right there on the front page by 1 p.m and you can also follow my twitter account i'll make sure and post about it too yeah so if uh, this will be up on thursday morning that means at one o'clock this afternoon it'll be up if you're checking us out after one o'clock it's already up if you haven't seen it go check it out shayhan again as always it's an absolute pleasure man really appreciate you joining us and i can't wait to have you back on again yeah thanks for having me as always i know i'm certainly looking forward to the games this saturday and i know how i'm going to start my day before the kickoff it's with a nice hot cup of coffee and the coffee i plan to drink this saturday is lazy fair coffee ethically sourced coffee beans from all over the world roasted right in the heart of big 12 country in dfw They've got a variety of great flavors, including dark and light roasts. Uh, if I might make a suggestion, the Cafe Cubano 
is definitely one you're gonna to wanna to try. I'm also a big fan of the Tanzanian Delight if you want another option as well. Don't forget they've also got a great dry rub. It's wonderful for whatever you're gonna throw on the grill. So go to lazyfaircoffee.com, L-A-Z-Y-F-A-I-R coffee at checkout, enter the promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2, get 10% off your order. By the way, if you live in the DFW area, which I think quite a few of our listeners do, you can get free delivery. Okay, so free delivery and 10% off. That sounds like a great deal on a really, really good bag of beans. So visit LazyFairCoffee.com, L-A-Z-Y-F-A-I-R, coffee. Use the promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2, get 10% off your order, and enjoy a really, really good cup of coffee this Saturday morning. Like I know it's still football season, but I'm I'm excited. We're like six weeks away from college basketball. Uh, and of course, we will make picks for college basketball when that gets here. Um, can't imagine I'll do any better at it than I'm doing in football right now. Another rough week for me at one and three drops my overall record down to five and 18. Chris, uh, you were the big winner of the week, three and one. Uh, you hit on Iowa State by uh, 12 and a half, uh, picked Kansas State to cover accurately, had Marshall by six and a half and just missed on the uh, plus two and a half for Texas. Uh, three and one week gets you to nine and 14. How are you feeling about that, bud? I've been pretty good, especially after, I mean, the the loss I took being the Texas OU game, that game being really weird. Uh, Texas had multiple opportunities to, to cover that, so it's feeling pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's very nice. All right, and Daniel, you uh, you were 2-1 and one last week. Now, you had Coastal plus 7. That game got delayed. Uh, while we're recording, this, this game is going on right now. The game is tied midway through the fourth quarter, 27 each, so... As much as I was hoping to have this one figured out for you, I just I don't, we'll have to figure out what your actual score. So you're at least going to be two, at least two and two after last week, two and one thus far. So yeah, that would, at worst, you got you're going to be like twelve nine and two so far. So that's not that's not too bad, man. No, I'll I'll take it all day long, and then uh, you know knock on some wood here. Coastal can hang on and cover the seven and go to three and one, but. Uh... We'll see. I mean, just to break it down a little bit, since we're talking about it, the games being played right now, I didn't like ULL at all going into this game, especially seven. And then when they reposted the line, eight, nine points, it's crazy to me. Coastal Carolina, one of the most successful offenses in the country, and ULL certainly isn't some defensive juggernaut. So, you know, I don't know who's going to win, but I expected Coastal to hang. So cross our fingers and hope they cover that seven points here at the end. So by the time you're all listening to this, obviously that game will be over. All right, so let's get to our picks for this week. As I said before, just two games to pick, one Big 12 game and, of course, our one other game. Uh, and let's just hop in. Look, West Virginia uh, is currently favored by 22.5 or 22, depending upon where you shop and, and what line you want to go with. Chris, why don't you uh, why don't you take this first as our big winner of the week from last week? All right, well, this I, I'm showing it opened at, at 27 in favor of West Virginia and has come way down despite the over under not really moving much at all. In fact, I think it's gone a little up. Maybe they're anticipating Kansas scores more points, but I don't know how that's going to happen against this West Virginia defense. Uh, so I, I'm going to take this at, at West Virginia minus 22. If I can get it, you know, get that little half point. Um, the Mountaineers are three, one and one against the spread in their last five conference games. KU is one and four against the spread against a team with a winning record. Um, they, they, they just don't look good right now. They're giving up 44 points a game. Uh, they're going to struggle to score against West Virginia. 
I, I, in fact, like I think in the Big 12, they haven't given up less than 47 points at this point. So uh, we all knew there'd be growing pains under Coach Miles. Um, he's the Mad Hatter, but he could be a real magician to to turn this program around and on a dime. You know, it's going it's going to take time. Okay, you should just forget about trying to cover the spread and uh, focus on holding a team to under 47 points in the Big 12. Yeah. Look. We should probably just take West Virginia. That seems like the safest bet. I, I I think West Virginia's offense is better than Oklahoma State and Baylor have made it look in their last two outings. That's still just a big 22 points. I mean, Kansas been, has lost to Baylor and Oklahoma State by far more than that at this point. I mean, even Coastal Carolina beat them by, by 15. To your point here, uh, I don't have the scores in front of me, but what did, what did Baylor – put up on West Virginia because they put 47 up on Kansas. Uh, they what was the final, there was 14 all in, in, uh, in regulation. Um, I gotta look. I mean, the, the point is the West Virginia defense is a lot better than, than most big 12 defenses. Yes, it is a, it is a solid defense. They're going to be able to get to Kansas as quarterbacks who have already banged up. You got offensive line issues for Kansas. Honestly, my question is, does Kansas score 14 or just they score 10? Because if they do, I think the over is a good pick here. Um, at this point, the overs have hit two out of three times for Kansas. And the one time it didn't hit was a push. It was a 61 point uh, over under was 61 for the Baylor game. They hit 61 points. The over hit for Oklahoma state game, the over hit for the coastal Carolina game. Um, so the question is with a line like this, uh, with with West Virginia, I, again, it's not that their offense isn't good, but if West Virginia has to do all the carrying in a 51-point spread, do I like the over better or do I like West Virginia better? I think West Virginia's defense is good. I hate that we're probably going to go chalk here this week, but I'll, I'll agree. I'll take Kansas or West Virginia to cover the 22. Listen, it's, weird things more happen, but I was going to say, weird things happen, and, and you know, this is a conference that no matter what we think should happen, you know, inexplicably the exact opposite happens but there's just no reason to believe in kansas at this point they, they've yet to put up more than 14 points on a big 12 team they've given up 47 in both games so until something changes there i don't know how anybody bets on them you know what i i changed my mind i'm taking the over i i'm gonna take the over i can get the over at 51 and uh, and a half uh i'm gonna take it at 51 and a half i feel like at some point Baylor is or uh, West. <laughs> I feel like at some point Kansas is going to get a little bit of offense going against somebody. I know West Virginia defense is really good. That's that's not a commentary on West Virginia. Um, I think West Virginia will have a good offensive game. I think Kansas will get enough points there. I'll take the over fifty one and a half. Um, I like West Virginia to cover that score. I would twenty two. I could. I'll take the over. That, that makes me feel better. I'll take the over. Uh, Daniel, what are you feeling here? Uh, you know, to me, there's a lot of parallels in this game uh, between OK State and Kansas a few weeks ago where, you know, Gundy really burned us on that under at the end of the game. But um, West Virginia has an, uh, an underrated defense, I think, nationally. And I think Les Miles is still in a lot of trouble with this Kansas team. I mean, they've looked downright inept. Uh, and West Virginia's front seven is really really going to be able to corral this Kansas team. I think Kansas is literally, you know, I, I, I've got them scoring under 20 points, 
yeah, this is this got 31-10, 34-10 type West Virginia game written all over it. My only concern would be like in the Oklahoma State game where I just don't want West Virginia to score much. So I'm going to ride with the under on this one, that 51 and a half. I think we're going to see it tick down a little bit before game time. So everyone listening before Saturday, if you like that side, I say grab it now because you're going to pick yourself up an extra point, point and a half. You know, it's a rough week for Big 12 fans. Only one game, West Virginia and Kansas. Baylor's dealing with COVID issues. Iowa State's got an I know week. Everyone else is just sitting around waiting. You know what? This is a perfect time to update your college football apparel wardrobe. And there's no better place to go than home field apparel. Comfortable t-shirts and hoodies with awesome, well-researched vintage logos. This is made by people who love college football. These are not the kinds of things that just some manufacturers cranking out. These are people who love college sports. They love college football. They love college basketball. They love college athletics, and it shows in what they create. Homefield Apparel is making unique vintage designs. Well-researched, well-researched. They are digging into the archives of universities to pull out some of the coolest and awesomest looking stuff. I know awesomeness isn't a word. I don't care. It's fitting. They are fun. They are interesting. They've got Iowa State. They've got Baylor. They've got over 90 different schools, and they're adding new ones every week. Their big new Saturday runs through the end of October. There's only three left. We know that one of them is Louisville this weekend. So do yourself a favor on this idle week. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Find yourself a couple of shirts. Maybe a hoodie. It is cold out now. At checkout, use the promo code 1012. All cap T E N one two. Get twenty percent off your first order. You're gonna be glad you did. Don't forget to follow on Twitter, Homefield Apparel. They are so much fun. And once you check out their website, you're gonna be a fan just like everyone else who's bought from them is. So go check out Homefield Apparel. Promo code ten twelve. Get twenty percent off your first order and be rocking an awesome vintage, comfortable college sports apparel shirt while you're watching football this weekend. And rooting for the Big 12 next. Uh, okay, one more pick to go, and then and then we're done for this week. Uh, of course, we have our, our non-Big 12 pick. Uh, Chris, Chris, what are you feeling here? My pick, I actually feel a lot less confident about this game. Um, Pittsburgh at Miami. You know, Pitt getting, to, uh, Pitt getting 10 and a half. Uh, that, that's, I think that's what I can get it for right now. It, it's come down. Um but the, the pit defense is going to give Miami fits. Uh, their pit is something like 11-1-1 against the spread in the last 13 games as a double-digit underdog. So that they tend to do, you know, fairly well in that position. Uh, and, and also this game is typically tighter than expected. The underdog has uh, is 4-1 in the last five meetings in this in this game. And, and pit is 7-3 against the spread in the last uh, 10 road games. So those kind of numbers um, – I, I like Pitt in this spot. Miami got bounced uh, in the last meeting with uh, Clemson. Uh, kind of disappointing game for them. But I don't, to be honest, I mean, I'm not super confident about this game because I don't know what's worse. It's, it's two heartbreaking losses, two close games, I think decided by less than two points for Pitt in their last two outings versus Miami just getting crushed by Clemson. What, what, what team is feeling uh, the better position right now? It's tough. But I do think the game will be close, uh, so I'll take uh, – I'll take the Panthers. I try and stay away from SEC games, but there's a line that I just don't understand. And maybe I'm buying into some stuff too much. I don't know. 
A&M is going on the road to Mississippi State, a Mississippi State team whose offense is struggling the last few weeks. I think looked great against LSU, but now we know LSU's defense is garbage. So how much of that was LSU's defense? How much of that was Mississippi State? Or was it just a perfect storm? But Mississippi State, I mean, they have looked bad on offense since that opener. And yet A&M is only a six and a half point favorite against Mississippi State. Um, I don't understand that line. I, I, I think A&M should win this by more than that. I think A&M will win. Um, I, I think I don't expect a letdown from them after the win over Florida. Um, I don't think A&M is great by any means. I don't think that we should oversell, uh, overvalue their win over Florida. But six and a half against a Mississippi State team who is struggling offensively. I just don't see that. Um, I will take Texas A&M, and I hate doing this as much as just I do, but I'll take Texas A&M to, to cover that six and a half. I think they went by at least a touchdown, so I feel I feel good there. Uh, Daniel, what's uh, what's your pick here, bud? Uh, one game I really like this week, uh, I'm going to be all over Boston College when they go and visit the Hokies, Virginia Tech. Um, let's see here. We've got... You know, uh, we've got a Virginia Tech team that all of us modelers, everyone who builds these games out, everyone keeps loving Virginia Tech and uh, on paper. And it just does not happen when the whistle actually blows and the games are played on Saturday. Uh, I had them really favored against Duke. Duke hung around all game. What is really, uh, to take it, to give it the, the listeners some intermediate insight, Virginia Tech had a blazing two and a half quarters against NC State about three and a half weeks ago. And that's really thrown a lot of modelers off, in my, my opinion. Uh, people are valuing Virginia Tech a little higher than they should be. You've even seen this line go out to 12. Now, I don't, I'm not saying Virginia Tech can't cover this, but this has Boston College hanging tough written all over it, in my opinion. Uh, you have a conference double-digit dog coming on the road against a team that's been underperforming. Uh, a lot of my rushing metrics really love Boston College in this spot getting double-digit. I'm even going to come in with a little bit of a, a, a money line sprinkle here on Boston College, if you will. But I'm going to be on them pretty heavy at the plus 12. What's helpful is that Boston College hasn't looked great either. So I think casual bettors look at this. They see the line move. They're going to chase the steam on Vautech. You know, Boston College, you know, they're no good. They had that one big outburst against Duke, and then they've been kind of pushed around the past few weeks. I love this spot. Uh, people down on Boston College, double digits. Give it to me all day. Boston College, even on the money line. Uh, i tell you what. I do you a favor. South Point has this at 12 and a half. So I can get you this at Boston College. Plus 12 and a half just to get you that extra. South room. Point, giving out the, the easy lines. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, I, I believe it. Any, any listeners, if you ever get into South Point, uh, I think it's them. They've got great hot dogs. They've got this epic hot dog stand <laughs> right by the sports book. And it's like $1.25 for these great dogs. Okay, there you go. Anybody getting uh, going anywhere near South Point, uh, make sure and stop and give yourself a hot dog. Not a lot of picks, of course, this week. Uh, we will uh, we'll be back on Monday, of course, to, to recap one game and probably have something else to talk about. I gotta I gotta bring somebody else in. I can't just spend a whole recast or recap pod on West Virginia, Kansas. Sorry, guys. Uh, for Daniel and Chris, uh, 
We'll be back again next week to make some more picks, and hopefully I can at least get more than one win out of two. That would be nice for once to get more than one. Yeah, everybody enjoy the games this weekend for Big 12 schools. Uh, We'll see you all for a full slate back here next week. Podcast Network.